Where's it going, Rudy? I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? of the Reddit Horror Club. As always, I am joined by Adam and Scott, and today we are discussing The Phantom of the Paradise, as picked by myself, which means that hosting duties are going to be handed off to Scott. Scott, let's... Uh, 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 I'll take it. I love right, it. Adam, I want right. to talk about Adam, I'll go. Take... Go ahead, then. Adam. All right, Matt, I don't need to know why you picked this movie, but tell me why you picked this movie. Okay, so... I had never fucking heard of this movie, and this was pretty early on when I started listening to that Killer POV podcast. They would talk about this movie constantly. Uh, are, so, are they paying you to talk about Killer POV? Because no, I don't no, no, go no. a week without you talking about Killer POV. No, we've made it, we've made this joke many a yeah, time. This, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's I honestly think it's the best horror podcast out there. Uh, be behind ours. <laughs> <laughs> So they they were talking about this, and this is like when I first started getting into the Scream Factory Blu-rays, because I had no clue that Scream Factory was even doing this shit. And uh, the one guy from Scream Factory had been on the on the podcast and was like, yeah, you know, we're doing a bunch of sales this July. Like, they were doing, like, every day a different DVD was on sale. And I happened to see that Phantom of the Paradise was the movie for, for that particular day. And I was like, oh, I heard good things, I'll buy it. So, I, like, I just bought it on a whim, I had some money to spend or whatever. And, um... I watched it and it fucking changed my life. And I watched it like I like literally bought this over the summer. So it has not been a full year since I've seen this movie and I've watched it seven fucking times in probably five or six months. I don't um, blame you. I don't blame you at all. I want to go back and watch it like tomorrow. <laughs> I watched it today. I want to watch it tomorrow. It's it's one of those movies where and I, I talked to you about this a little bit on Facebook. The second that you start to get like maybe slightly tired of the movie they introduce fucking beef and it just like takes that movie to the next fucking plateau it's so good um the songs are great the i I love the satire that it has on the music industry uh one of my favorite lines in it kind of making fun of the music industry is uh when paul williams opens up a a briefcase filled with prescription pills and says look it's breakfast yeah <laughs> like, like i i just i think it's one of those movies where it's like you could feasibly remake this movie because all of the points that it's trying to make in this movie are still relevant no, 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 no. I don't ever want anyone to remake this movie. I um, want them to re-release this movie in theaters so I can go watch it with a crowd, but I don't ever want them to remake it. I could get behind that. And actually, there is a theater... Uh, apparently, there's a theater not far from me, maybe about a half-hour drive. It's the movie theater from the original Blob, uh, and it still is in the exact state that it was in, like, 1958 when they made the Blob, and they do midnight screenings of stuff like this. Because when I first posted that I'd watched it, a bunch of people were like, oh, shit, I saw that at the uh, old theater last year. So I'm kind of mad that I didn't know about it in time to mm-hmm. see it on the big screen. Because I think this would be a blast to see live. Oh, it so would. And apparently it was a huge flop when it came out. And the only 
theater that it ran at for any extended period of time was in Winnipeg, Manitoba, up here in Canada. <laughs> and I guess it like picked up a big cult following up here, and it played in that theater for like six months. Did you notice, I'm not sure if you paid attention to the closing credits, did you notice who the costume designer was on this movie? No. Sissy Spacek. Oh, for what? real? This is how she met Brian Dupama, and then he was like, I'm going to put you in my next movie, and he made Carrie. <laughs> I'm almost certain nobody calls him Brian Dupama. Well, whatever, <laughs> Dupama. D-E. It's D-E. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty hard duh. <laughs> whatever. So, Scott, hey. did you like this movie, being a musician? Uh, I love this film. <laughs> Had you seen I've... this before? No. Sweet. Yeah, right. I'm super, super happy that you picked this, Scott. <laughs> I'm, I love... I'm so excited. I love the music. I thought it was great. The it's first a... song that Beef sings in the show is my favorite song in the movie. Oh, yeah. The one where they're building him as like a giant Frankenstein, and then he plays like a guitar solo and gets electrocuted. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> That's the only song Beef actually sings. Well, I mean, there's the song he's singing in the audition where he's trying to prove that he can... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the... the well, I, I just thought it was cool because there were so many, like, callbacks. Because I really like the Juicy Fruits because, obviously... Yeah, 50s rock and roll. <laughs> um, I thought, Although I thought that the Jersey accent was a little much. During the speaking um, parts of their song. <laughs> yeah, and then um, uh, the surf song was... Genius upholstery, upholstery. I think yeah. is what it's called. Yeah. Um, oh, so fucking great. And uh, I mean, the music was just phenomenal. But um, then it was just so cool because they came back out a third time as dressed up as um, uh, the 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 monster from the cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Yeah. Um, and they're like chopping people's body parts out of the audience and stuff. People are losing their shit and. Then, you know, they, they build beef with that. Oh, my God. The only thing I don't like about Beef's song is when he uses the guitar like a dick and, like, humps the air a couple times because it's just so douchey. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's also tonguing it and playing it behind his head and doing all that douchebag stuff. The, like, okay, going into this movie, the first time that you heard Beef actually speak in his, like, super effeminate voice, did you lose your shit as much as I did? Yeah, there was one line. There was one line in particular. Here, I've, I've got it in my notes. Where is it? Like it's oh like God. this song was picked for a broad, like or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's when he's uh, when he's trying to leave, and the other guy's trying to like give him drugs, and he goes, "No, that's gonna bring me down." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's also good. Uh, yeah. He's like, you know what I think the problem is? Speed. You're the one to just hand them out. I'm the one that fucking does them. I know what I'm doing here. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to point out about this movie, and maybe this is just me, but the thing that I like about this movie is that it's absolutely batshit crazy, but I feel bad for Winslow throughout the entire movie. Like, I actually genuinely oh, yeah. care about his character. Oh, yeah. I've got notes about that. It was really, really bumming me out. Yeah. Oh, when he... When he the one line, it the guy should get an Oscar just for the delivery of this line for how sad it makes me say when he finds out that his teeth are going to get pulled and he's like, but I want my teeth. 
And it's, like, so genuinely sad. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I was really... The first time I watched this movie, I was like, this is gonna... This is fucking making me depressed. And then the music started again. I was okay. <laughs> Yo, I was, I was also so angry at Swan this whole movie. Man, I hate that piece of but shit. Paul Williams is so... Um, so one of my favorite things is Simon Pegg... Uh, or not Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright called this movie out as his all-time favorite movie. And uh, did this weird thing where he would do like a commentary track to the trailer of this movie on some website, and he talks about how uh, he he considers Swan's first line of dialogue when you see him on the screen as his all time favorite like introduction to a character, where he just walks into the room where Winslow's surrounded by a bunch of chicks and goes, "Get this faggot out of here!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, it's I, I love this movie so much. I. I I was going to save this for the next round, but then when we knew that we were at least two, if not all of us, were going to be together, I was like, let's go with this instead of uh, the, the more serious pick that I was going to go with. Oh, absolutely. This is awesome. And I, I had a hard time throughout this movie sort of like understanding why Swan was doing what he was doing. I was, I was like, I mean, you're obviously making all the wrong choices here. Everything is like everything you're doing. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you get that explanation as to, like, why he's doing it. Like, he just doesn't fucking care. I mean, yeah. he's immortal, and he doesn't give a shit about anybody or anything. He can't die. I mean, what does he give a fuck? So, of course, he's going to go around just completely fucking backstabbing everyone, because what can they do to him? Yeah. They can't do anything. Well, and, uh, I mean, the the ending of this movie is, like, everything you think of when you think of, like, psychedelic film from the 70s. Like, that whole fucking wedding sequence where it's just, like, crazy funk music and, like, just cut after cut after cut. And it's, like, I love the shot of when they finally reveal Winslow's face and it's, like, these three different angles of the shot of him screaming. And, it like, even the edit, this movie is so well edited. Like, the, I like the split screen sequence during the, uh, the, the, the like surf rock song where like you're seeing just the trunk of the car in one side of the screen and everything that's going on in the other. And then it pans to like, you're seeing how Winslow and Swan are both reacting to what's happening. It, it's such a good use of a split screen. The whole time that that scene was happening, I was like, Oh, I'm going to watch that car blow up. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to distract me. So I can't see it. I'm going to watch that car blow up. And the second it blows up, I was looking at the other fucking side of the screen. They got, <laughs> they got me. I want to hear Scott talk more on this. He, you're falling asleep over there, Scott. Tell no, us. I'm not falling asleep. I just I've been letting you guys have your have your uh, good times. So with we it. can so we can come crash down with all of his issues. Oh, he hates it. <laughs> no, I don't. I love this movie. I have nothing bad to say about it. So um, I don't really I don't know what you'd want me to say about it. I mean, I I I feel like the the end is just so depressing um, because he's just he, he loves her and and he watches her fuck Swan and uh, she like sells her soul too but I guess they get it back because Swan gets killed uh, and and then you know like it's just brutal like the very end of this movie is super brutal and I don't know I liked it it was a really really good movie it just left me real down yeah. at the end. I like that it's a good mix of all these different famous stories kind of like blend it together into like its own unique 
Because at first I thought it was just like a rock opera version of Phantom of the Opera when I was going into it. Mm -hmm. But then you've got like Faust in there and you've got like a bunch of other stuff kind of mixed in to to make it its own kind of unique version of the Phantom of the Opera. Well, if you look at the trivia on IMDb, I think it lists out seven different things. Seven different like horror um, literature that yeah. it's borrowing from. Uh, there's some Dorian Gray in there as well. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, Swan. Uh, yeah, it's and I, I actually think that this is probably my favorite film by Brian De Palma. Because um, I, I mean, I like the original Carrie, but I, I don't like. I'm not like head over heels about. Oh it. no! And no. like Sisters is okay. Like he's done a lot of okay movies, but this is like the one film that I love by him. Like I, I, I will watch this again in like a in probably in like a week. Like I've been averaging about once a month. I've made people watch this. Oh, I have it on a USB stick now. I'm gonna go around just giving it to people and like making them watch it. It's and so... this is another. I, I, I mean, to to I, <laughs> is Killer POV sponsoring this podcast? No. Is <laughs> is uh, Scream Factory promote uh, sponsoring one of my podcasts? You better believe it. The Scream Factory <laughs> double disc DV, uh, Blu-ray of this is absolutely worth the money. Um. Just because, you know, one disc is just the movie, and then the whole second disc is just, like, interviews with the composer, uh, how the how the music was put together, how the camera shots were done, interviews with the cinematographer. Like, they went all fucking out on this Blu-ray to just pack it with as much stuff as they could, which is, like, <clears throat> shocking to me, because this movie is, like... like there's a phrase that they use for uh, freaks where they, they used to call it the cult film that didn't have a cult yet. And like, I feel the same way towards Phantom of the Paradise. Like there's a very small group of people who know the movie, but it's definitely not like a cult film on like the Rocky horror level where, where you would think it would earn a, a double disc DVD. Uh, this deserves it so much more than Rocky horror. Uh, I, I, this movie is so much better than Rocky. And horror this is Picture two show. years prior to Rocky horror. Like the, the, and there's a lot of, like there's a lot of similarities between those movies in just like the way costumes and characters like Beef looks like someone that would be in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I I'll tell you why this wins over Rocky Horror. I was watching this and there was one song in here that I didn't really and it's not that I didn't even enjoy it. I just felt that it went on for too long and that's when um Phoenix does her audition for um Winslow and and Swan, like yeah. when they're up in the the high rise or whatever, when, when she does that audition, I felt that went on a little bit too long. That's a that's like a five minute long song. So there was one song in here that I didn't like that much. There's one song in Rocky Horror Picture Show that I really love, <laughs> which is which one? Rose to uh, the world. That's the yeah. one I fucking love. No, it's touch a touch a touch. It's fucking time warp. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like I like the other songs from Rocky Horror Picture Show. I want to get the soundtrack for this movie. I want to get to know these songs. I want to know the lyrics. I want to be able to sing along with these. It's on YouTube. Songs. Well, know what's even know what's really impressive about this movie too, in the sense that like, you know, you, when you were talking about like a song that that was kind of like went on and, and should have been shorter. I was about to jump down your throat uh, because I thought you were going to say the song that Winslow performs in the very beginning of the movie. But like, I think that that's another thing that's so powerful about this movie is, you know, it fucking in the first five, 10 minutes, you've got a guy just sitting at a piano passionately playing a song, but the song's so good that it doesn't 
slow the movie down. Like, you're like, okay. That, this... that song seems to be prevalent in, like, the first 45 minutes of the movie. He yeah. sings it. It's like it's sing like, three, four different times. And that song's so good. I'm totally <laughs> fucking okay with it. Yeah, like that. Uh, my my one. So this was one of the first movies I did a, a weird ass movie night at my house with, and um, there was one person that had heard of it, and uh, he was going to be late. Like he's like, oh, I'm not going to make it there right away. Like I'll probably be like ten minutes late. So we're watching the movie, and everyone's just kind of like not sure what to think of what they've just seen in the first like five minutes of this movie because it starts off with like a '50s rock song, and then it's just like a really weird conversation about. How apparently you can't sign someone to a contract for life, and uh, all of a sudden Winslow's song starts playing, and then we just hear this guy walking down the stairs to my basement singing the song because he's watched this movie so many goddamn times that he has the whole <laughs> soundtrack memorized. And... I want to be that guy. <laughs> Man, I love this movie. You would have loved so... that dude because I told that it was the it was the same night that I watched your pick from last round. Uh, the the lover the the cook the, the thief. yeah that thing and I mentioned that I watched it and he goes oh that's one of the greatest movies ever made and like he went on this whole rant about it. I was like you need to watch every movie that the director's ever made because he's a fucking genius oh uh, see that's that guy that talked about the the falls or yeah whatever. yeah the falls yeah see maybe I wouldn't like that guy so but we get along about <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise that's for sure. all right all right I got notes if we want to yeah let's uh, let's go to the notes. All right, so these are uh, El Fanto de Paradiso, the notes. Um, when when the opening sa- like describes Swan and like what Swan's all about, I'm like, this sounds like some shit I'd be really into if I still smoke pot. <laughs> uh, I'm watching the first '50s band. I'm like, I fucking know Scott's loving this. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, who am I? I've heard the fuck... surf rock version or yeah. surf rock song better. Personally. I'm like, who am I kidding? I'm I'm fucking loving this shit. Right <laughs> it's okay. uh, yeah, this is a, that's some seriously clunky exposition where he's like trying to explain to him how he couldn't sign this chick, blah blah blah, and Swan's off screen. It's it's like a full three and a half minutes of him just looking into the camera and being like. This and this, this happened. Then this happened. That happened as well. With like no, like no stressing in his voice at all. It is the most monotone delivery of a three-page monologue. Yeah, no, it's not. It's like I just really quick. I got to get all these words out so we can get on to the next scene. Here. <laughs> uh, I right off the bat, I'm like, this is going to be a hard movie to write notes for. <laughs> it's going to be real difficult. All right. So it took me a while to for it to kick in, but I was like, so they just want to steal his music and kill him it it took me a minute to to be like would people do that are they really gonna be that mean <laughs> I, I didn't think they would I... oh and then he's calling in the chicks for the audition and he's like one two three four five <laughs> that's how I, I don't know why i wrote that down it's note. it just made me laugh when he's doing it already right out the bat like oh man poor winslow what a bummer, this poor guy. When he's got his face all smashed up and the two black cops are, like, taking him away. I was like, this poor fucking guy. 
but it's just that easy to escape from Sing I was going to say, I realized we forgot to talk about the fucking escape scene that could have been out of goddamn Forbidden Zone. Like, it's so ridiculous. You literally hop in a box. <laughs> that box goes in a truck. That tr- You fall off that truck ten feet away from the fucking prison, and then you're gone. You're gone. Uh, it's so I, ridiculous, and it's all within like ten seconds. Oh, it's so quick! And then he goes ripping through his office, and then runs out. It's awesome, and uh, and then his head gets stuck in the record press, and he's like running away with his face all fucked up. And that was the point where I sent you a message on Facebook, Matt, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I just what this movie is about to be, and I'm so fucking pumped for it. And I love that origin. I love the origin story that his face was smashed by a record press. Yeah. Oh, so fucking good. Um, when the uh, explosion goes off in the back of the car, I'm like, that's how every Beach Boys concert should end. <laughs> <laughs> wow, fuck you, Swan, you dwarfish little asshat. I hate you. All right. So, okay. So this is the song that I felt goes on. I was like, I know it's a full-blown musical but I could probably do with a few less of these extended musical numbers. Now, this is before the rest of the extended musical numbers came in. This is really the only one that I disliked, because immediately after that, I was like, except these crazy robot musical numbers, I'll do this shit all day. This is amazing. <laughs> and then he like gives him that voice, and I'm like, yes, yes, robot voice for all of this movie. Robot voices and metal teeth for everyone. So... I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys uh, caught this at all. I'm a big Paul Williams fan. The singing voice for The Phantom is Paul Williams' actual singing voice, the guy who plays Swan. Nice. Which is why there's that line of dialogue. The second that it sounds exactly like Paul Williams, it cuts to Paul Williams and goes, perfect. <laughs> and that's why uh, Swan doesn't have any songs in the movie because it he would just sound exactly like The Phantom from that point on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last, the last, like the credit song is. I mean, it's obviously not Swan, but that's very obviously Paul Williams that's singing that that last credit song. Yes. Like uh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, "There's no other human being that that voice could be coming from <laughs> right now than that tiny little dude." That's definitely him. Tiny little dude from fucking the Smokey and the Bandit movies. Well, we're gonna call him Dwarfish Asshat. For the rest of the- <laughs> This is this is Ramon all over again. This dwarfish ass. <laughs> uh, so I guess this movie's thesis is is fuck record execs. Like that's I mean it hammers it home real fuck. Record executives are literally the devil in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's awesome, but it's just like I mean I don't know. I'm not in the music industry. Is it? It feels like really heavy handed. I don't know. Like when when he steals that. Um, sheet music away from him and there's just like a million pills on top of it i don't know it's just it's a little i mean this movie's all about excess and i'm totally okay with this but i was like that's a little bit much i don't know about this but uh okay i want to be beef beef is my spirit animal (laughs) now this was before i heard him talk (laughs) and i realized And I realized how flamboyantly gay he was. But this was like when he sang that song in like whatever the spotlight in that weird record room. And then he like opened the coffin. He was just like, (laughs) that was fucking awesome. (laughs) I was like, I want to be this guy. 
And then all of a sudden he started talking like this. And I was like, so long as I get to be that other guy most of the time, I'm all right with it. That's the point where I wrote, nah, they'll bring me down. Um, <laughs> this is the best live show ever. If this was in my town, I'd go see this every fucking night of the week. This, I'd be broken homeless and people would be like what are you an alcoholic living on the street I'd be like no I just have to go see fucking Phantom keep, of the Paradise I, keep going, I gotta go see the I gotta go to the Paradise so I can see beef in the undeads yeah absolutely <laughs> man like, this show's so fucking good and I literally wrote the note I was like man I hope Winslow holds off for a while because I really want to see the rest of the show <laughs> <laughs> but then he immediately kills beef with the what a way to go, though. Genius. Yeah. Oh, totally fucking worth it. That guy died. I mean, he died a hero. Everybody was still chanting his name when he was getting <laughs> carried out and stuff. Everybody loved him. Um, so, okay. So, wait. Is this what is this what Winslow wanted Phoenix to perform? Was this opening number that Beef was doing? Could you imagine Phoenix? <laughs> like, what? I don't understand well, why. From what I understand... It's not based on the music whatsoever that he's originally written at that point. Because <laughs> if you listen to what he's writing, it doesn't sound anything like what the song that actually comes out of that. Well, thing yeah, and I guess there's that scene where they're like, "Make it your own" or whatever. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I mean, he still he was he was saying the whole time he was like, "I only want Phoenix. It's only going to be Phoenix." Yeah. I guess he just wanted Phoenix to get on stage and sing into a microphone for. <laughs> 90 minutes i don't know what he was fucking yeah this guy's got some delusions delusional thought but yeah it was weird i I mean it could only make sense that beef would be the opening number and then it would cut to phoenix i i guess they probably didn't think about it as hard as i'm thinking about it right now anyways um okay so then we cut to the scene where phoenix fucks swan and my note is yo what the fucking fuck phoenix you gigantic bitch i'm so fucking angry right now (laughs) i didn't I didn't write a note for another ten minutes because I was seriously I was pissed off. I just <laughs> I was really upset. In in Phoenix's defense, she met when she's known Winslow for all of two minutes of her entire life. Yeah, like a hundred <laughs> and I and I mean whatever. And it's and she says, you know, like why that why should I believe you over them? I mean, you're just some creepy guy that's like getting all up in my grill over here. I don't fucking know, but. I mean, I know Winslow. I know the character. I've been watching his struggles, so I'm angry. Uh, yeah, so I'm getting a little confused. I'm like, uh, so fucking what? There's like some supernatural shit going on here. And then we get the bathtub scene, which is a really good scene. I like that scene a lot, where it's just uh, Swan talking to himself in the mirror in that bathroom. Again, a little weird that you know it's like the film is gonna age and you're not <laughs> i don't whatever i don't need a real deep explanation <laughs> it's, it's just dorian gray it's like an updated warped sort of version of dorian gray and i'm yeah. okay that's that's okay um and yeah that last shot where winslow is like dragging towards her on the floor and and you know like begging her like to to come to him and like offer him some comfort in his final moments is actually it's a beautiful uh, that's a beautiful way to end the movie and she i mean i know scott you feel like it ended shitty but you can see she's like crushed 
she's like, wow. Right, no, no, no. I guess I just mean that it ended shitty in that uh, poor dude fucking died. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, where where was he going to go from there? <laughs> I guess you're right. That was the only way. I, I hadn't mean, thought this through. He died a martyr for his vision and his music. Uh, he obviously didn't get exactly what he wanted, but I, I guess the people in this universe, I mean, if this happened in your universe, you'd be talking about this to the end of time. Everyone would own this record. It'd be history, man. It'd be serious fucking history. So, uh, final thesis is it's hair mixed with Tommy, uh, definitely with a lot of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and a little bit of like some Alejandro Jodorowsky mixed in there, and it is fucking wonderful. I <laughs> loved it so much. Uh, that, oh. f- that makes me feel good that I got two in a row. <laughs> yeah, you're slam dunking it. Don't fuck up next round. Uh, I'm going to. Trust me. Um, did you catch the, the the only other fun fact I have is that Rod Serling is the person who does the introduction narration. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Yeah. Rod Sterling? Uh, Serling. Yeah. Serling from Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. Oh, the narr- yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's for... 13 seconds in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, probably cost more than pretty much any actor got paid in the rest of the movie. Because <laughs> I'm pretty well, sure Jessica Harper was looking like at one. I don't know. It's... Did, uh, if, you, if you look at the IMDb trivia, like it was weird. It was like Beef was supposed to be um, Winslow, and Winslow was supposed to be Swan, and Swan was supposed to be Beef, and like they, everybody was like supposed to be different roles. And like at the last moment, like Brian De Palma was like, Okay, we're gonna do some like quick changes, and thank God he fucking did. Can you imagine Swan as and as either Winslow or Beef in this movie? It'd be so fucking weird, man. Absolutely not as Beef. I could maybe see him pulling off Winslow, maybe. Well, I guess his uh, his he said like, listen, I'm not physically able to pull off either of these other roles. Yeah. This is the role that requires like the least amount of physical exertion from me. So that's what I'll be able to do. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I, I, uh, I, but I'm also such a big fucking uh, Paul Williams fanboy. Like, it's not even funny. Uh, all right, so you guys ready to talk about what we've watched this week? Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Adam, have you? No, heard? I'm last again. All right, Scott. <laughs> uh, Matt, you go first. I gotta check my Netflix. Okay, so uh, <laughs> nothing. There's nothing new. I'm just gonna go with something that I rewatched that I had seen a bunch of times prior. Um, because it kind of fits in with this movie. Not only am I a huge fanboy for Paul Williams, I'm a massive fanboy for Harry Nielsen. And there is an incredible documentary called Who is Harry Nielsen and Why is Everybody Talking About Him that goes through his entire career. Uh, Harry Nielsen's a guy who you absolutely know the music of, but you probably don't know who he is. Uh, He had three big hit songs that he wrote uh, that all the covers of the songs are far more famous. Uh, he wrote One is the Loneliest Number. He wrote uh, Lime in the Coconut. And he wrote I Can't Live If Living Is Without You. Um, Golly! <laughs> so, I live with you without you. So, so the documentary is basically about how he was like this uh, bank teller who wanted to be a musician. And he recorded this song called One. And he sent it to someone. And they're like, oh, I know someone who would record this. And uh, worked himself into a record deal where he basically never toured, never played a single live show, and just recorded album after album after album after album. 
and became the Beatles' favorite musician. So, like, Ringo Starr was best man at his wedding, and he would, like, hang out with John Lennon, and, like, Robin Williams tells stories of how, like, he was so heavy into drugs that even Robin Williams couldn't keep up with him. Like, he was just this, like... Like, the whole movie is basically about how he was just this dude who was just on... Like, the, the one guy was like... Eventually, I realized that Harry's only goal in life was to die, and it took him 25 years, but he fucking did it. And, like, it's just him just living with this excess of, like, craziness, and they talk about how he made this one album with John Lennon that they had a contest to see who could ruin their vocals the most, because they were, like, both high on junk, Uh, so they were trying to scream the hardest at the song, and it ended with him in the emergency room because he had spit blood onto the microphone from screaming so hard. Yuck. And it, like, ruined his vocals for the rest of his life, and, like, his last thing that he ever did was write the music for Popeye <laughs> with, uh, with Robin Williams. Um, oh, I knew that. <laughs> Somehow I knew that. Uh, but, yeah, That's it's weird. a really it's a really intense, interesting documentary about, like, a dude just self-destructing over 30 years. Uh, and it's just a great soundtrack because all of his music's amazing. Oh, and he wrote uh, the other song he wrote that everyone knows is he wrote that people let me tell you about my best friend, Bobby uh, Jones. Yep, <laughs> I smoke crickets. <laughs> is that the new Scion TC? Scion uh, TC. Let's uh, You want to come to my place and maybe have some naps? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about Frisky Dingo because that show was <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> that was one of the best shows from uh, Adult Swim. Oh my god! Did you ever see season two of that show? Yeah, that's the one. Isn't that where he does the where where the rich guy um, like he gets taken up into the 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 rope the red robot guy's um, ship extracles? Yeah, 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 and and the, and they write like fuck boy on his chest or something like that or yeah and the russian one like has his way with him a bunch of stuff. yeah yeah and then he, he like gets he, he blows up the fucking exticles airship or something and he like escapes wearing just the pants yeah and he ends up he somehow ends up falling into like a, a group of larpers yes so he's oh like my stuck God. with them for the rest of the show but but the season one matt have you ever seen this show? i've never even heard of this show i'm on its wikipedia page now. it sick. was it was the guy that made uh, his name's adam something but the guy that made archer okay. um, be- before he made archer he made frisky dingo which is i i couldn't even begin to explain to you the plot of this fucking show yeah, i'm having trouble welcome oh, to he... you are doom <laughs> oh, more importantly beyond fucking archer he was the writer, director, and producer of C Lab twenty twenty one. Yeah, is I'm like, surprised like, you didn't say anything about C Lab because C Lab's fucking great. <laughs> I've never watched a lot of C Lab. Oh, C Lab's so too. good. <laughs> I've watched like all that adults. I used to watch Twelve Ounce Mouse. Uh, one of my and favorite, I've never seen C Lab. One of my favorite Adult Swim shows that no one liked was fucking Assy McGee. I, oh, I loved Assy McGee. It's so good. Assy. How did you know he was a killer? Oh, I had a hunch. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line in Essie McGee was when he's like, I think it's in the first episode, and he's riding with his partner. And he's like, "We've got to get to the bottom of this." He's like, "Essie, you should probably go ahead and sleep." 
So sleep is for fat people. He's like, I'm, I'm just saying, Assy, I think you're a little too close to the case. So I'm just saying you're fat. <laughs> and, well, at uh, the, the season one, okay, the entirety of the first season of Frisky Dingo is they like want to set off this thing called the Annihilatrix. And it's yes, essentially a oh rocket, a rocket that is just pointed downwards into the earth. And so they want to set this thing off. And the end of season one ends like they, I'm going to totally just spoil it for you, but they set it off and, and it only runs for like something like 30 seconds, <laughs> but that manages to push the earth away from the sun enough that it ends global warming. So the big bad guy of the whole first season becomes like the hero of the next season. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone like praises him for having cured global warming. It's fucking it's ridiculous. I and see they, both are on DVD both seasons are on DVD. I might have to just buy this shit. They're real quick watches. You can watch it all in like maybe three, four hours, and it's totally worth it. It's really, really good. <laughs> I will definitely have to check that out then. Uh, are you just going to consider that your thing that you should watch? Yeah, sure. I'll just play that and the Venture Brothers. Everybody should be watching the Venture Brothers. If we're going to be talking about adult swim shows. Never don't be watching Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Venture Brothers is so fucking good. I can't, um, I think it's, I, I can't remember when they're coming out with the next season. Those guys take a long, long time to produce. Is that to Titmouse? Produce. Is Titmouse the ones that do that? No, it's, uh, Love robot or okay. something like Cause that. Because I know Tit, the guys from Titmouse are like tied up doing that um, documentary about uh, Superman Lives. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, also, uh, Scott, I finished Red Sun. Oh, is so it awesome? good. It's so fucking good. It's great. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about the ending. Uh yeah, I, I hate the I hate the like retconning that the ending kind yeah, of yeah that like tie back around. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that, that really just... sucks, but whatever. I thought at the ending it was going to be like, then he lands in Smallville, but he just lands in Russia again. So well, it's just like a continuous looping universe that just loops back around every yeah, 7,000 years. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of one of those, like, um, did you ever read the What If comics from Marvel? Yeah, yeah, like, it was exactly a What If. Like, like, the What If comics from Marvel always had, like, this fuck you attitude, where it was like, hey, here's a stupid question that people always ask us. And it's like, look. If that happened, everything would be terrible. Stop asking us. Like, that's pretty much the way every What If comic ended. Except that one wouldn't be terrible. Everything would be great for a while, at least. It sounds like everything would be fucking amazing. I mean, Everything just, would be positively ghoulish. <laughs> everything would be positively ghoulish. I want to recommend it to people, because I want to be like, yo, it's got this, like, Russian Batman who's just, like, this hardcore fucking terrorist who doesn't give a shit about, like, human life or anything. Like, he just doesn't care. But then... You know they'll get to the end of that, and then I don't want them to come back to me and be like, "Yo, what the fuck? That like, was, what was that ending?" That was the first graphic novel I ever read. Uh, really? Was, so because I was trying to get back into comics, and someone's like, "You should check out Red Red Sun." So I was like, "All right." And like the comic book shop that I go to was having a sale, so it was only like four dollars. I'm like, "All right, I'll grab this," and I like breeze through it in like a day. I was like, "This is really fucking good." Oh yeah. Um, what was the first graphic novel I read? I think I. I think the first, this is a weird one, I think the first uh, edition of Preacher was the first graphic novel I ever That's, read. That is a weird fucking start. <laughs> um, Scott, so what's your movie recommendation real quick? I don't have any. I, I, what's I, your comic book recommendation? 
What's my comic book recommendation always going to be? Swamp Thing. Jesus Christ. Okay. It better uh, not be Animal Man, because I finally ran, read that last, like the last, last issue of Animal Man. I haven't gotten that far. I'm not. Are you talking about right. the new, new... No, 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 no. The old one. Two? Grant Morrison. The Grant Morrison. Oh, one. the one where he, Grant Morrison shows up and... Yeah, like, and he's like, hey, Animal Man, I'm a gigantic cunt. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so now you understand everything about Grant Morrison. <laughs> Oh, he's a gigantic cunt. Okay, well, <laughs> I yeah, understand. Uh, yeah, well, I, I thought that was really lame. I always hated that. that I was... wish, I mean, when the last we had talked about it, I had stopped reading, like, two issues before that, and I wish to God that I had just <laughs> I had let I had let sleeping dogs lie because I was mad that I read those last ones. Uh, all right, well, in two weeks, we will be discussing Dead Snow 2. Uh, but Wait, no, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> Did but, Spanek pick it? No, uh, Plymouth. Uh, oh, she's in deep shit right now. <laughs> but next week we'll be watching Horns, and here is the trailer for that. I'm going to love you for the rest of my life. Just love me for the rest of mine. Please, you have to believe me. I loved her. What does it feel like to get away with murder? She to save your soul. I should ask the devil to punish you. You know, you don't have to convince me. I believe you. Why are you protecting me? Because if I did anything to her, then I'm a monster. How do I look? Did you notice anything unusual? Am I not? What are they? You know how I think we should proceed? I should grind me up some Oxycontin and have a little snort. Um... Everyone in this town is going crazy. I think it's because of me and these horns. You killed that innocent girl, now the devil has claimed you. He didn't kill her father, and now people are telling me all these things I don't want to hear. I'm so bad, I'm bad. I'm pretty enough to be on TV, right? I gotta figure out who really killed Marin and get him to confess. Big. I would never hurt her. Tell me, tell me everything that happened. <laughs> Admit you killed her. It'd be such a huge scoop for me. I got an idea. How about you guys beat the heck out of each other, and the winner gets an exclusive interview with me? What's that snake doing around your neck? Made a new friend. Are those horns? Damn right, they're horns. <laughs>